0: Hi there, and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate you being here each week and tuning in and learning the natural resources that you need as a proactive parent to help your child on your recovery process with that with your child. And it's important that usually I'm giving um, my link to my free online workshop to walk you through the four stages to naturally recover from autism. And it's based on what I did to recover my own son, and that was after being told that he could not recover and that I should just drug him and try behavioral therapies, and that would be all we would be doing is managing symptoms for him the rest of his life, but my background as a craniosacral therapist led me to know that the brain could heal, and I wanted to find out what was going on for my son, so I began researching, and now that was 14 years ago that I began that, that crusade. And my son today is fully recovered. And I am here to share as many resources with you as possible. But I know that there are a lot of resources and it can become confusing. So today's show is going to be a roadmap. We're going to walk you through the steps. We have Dr. Jody Deshore on with us. And we're going to walk you through the steps of what she did to recover her own son, Brian, from his symptoms of autism. It's basically the the same steps that I used to recover my own son and I want to give you the link to my autism moms mentoring program in this show to know that if you are ready for those steps with your child you can go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash AMM and I'm also I've also created a show notes page that will give you more information on Brian who I will have live on this show very soon Uh, he was finishing up finals today in school so he wasn't able to uh, to make this date but we will be having him on soon but I've created a page where you can get uh, uh, many links uh, as well as um, more information on Brian himself at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash Brian. And I will um, give those links out again to you uh, during the show and at the end so that in case you're driving or out on your morning walk, you can remember where to get those uh, those links. Because it's important for you as a parent to have a roadmap, to get out of that confusion and have uh, some step-by-step process, a pathway to to lead you through each and every piece and in the right order, because that's very, very important. So uh, Dr. DeShore and I will uh, be discussing uh, this today, and I'm going to give you a little background on Dr. DeShore in case you haven't uh, haven't heard from her before. She has been on the show uh, with me several times. We've talked about many of the co-infections of autism, things like Lyme's disease, mold biotoxins, PANS or PANDAS, which is the strep issue. So Dr. DeShore has been on in past episodes. And um and we're going to discuss today, again, the clear roadmap that she and I brought our brought our sons to recovery with. Dr. DeShore is an internationally recognized pioneering clinician in the all-natural plant-based treatment of autism, Lyme disease, mold biotoxin illness, PANS pandas, nutrigenomics, and autoimmune illness. She works with children and adults in over 40. 40- Seven countries around the world, and Dr. Deshore is board certified as a Doctor of Occupational Therapy, Neurology with a postdoctoral specialization in neurosensory. She is a uh, she, she is uh, board certified as a holistic health practitioner and board certified in integrative pediatrics. Her past training abroad includes specialization in pediatric neurology and multiple naturopathic disciplines in Bombay, the UK, and the USA. Dr. Deshore is currently pursuing her PhD and board certification in integrative medicine with a special interest in quantum physics. And Dr. Deshore is the founder of BioNexus Health Clinic in Marlboro, New Jersey, a center which is dedicated to plant-based and all natural treatment methods. Hi, Dr. Deshore, and thank you again for being here with us today again, I greatly appreciate your time and your expertise.
1: Uh, hi, Karen. Always a pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: And today I'm talking to you in a little bit, you know, as a doctor, but also as a friend and a, a, a mom, a fellow mom who has recovered uh, your own son from his symptoms of autism and I think it's great um for our listeners to hear you know we're coming to you as moms we have been through this the journey the the heartache the stress the 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 leaps and bounds when you make them and 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 everything that it takes and the research involved so maybe Dr. DeShore you can begin with you know with the beginning of Brian's story um uh, how how things began for you what you what you know, what started for you? I know he was diagnosed, I believe, at 18 months.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's true. Just to give a little bit of a background, you know, I'm going to start with the conclusion first, what I learned later on. So this way, the, the mothers and the parents listening in will have will be able to connect the dots a little bit better. Um, unawares to me, I had in utero passed Lyme disease and co-infections to my son. He was my firstborn. In fact, he's my only child, and uh, pretty much everything, every toxin, infection was transmitted to him uh, in utero, and I was completely unaware. Um, you know, and I did not have any major symptoms of Lyme. I've had many tick bites, mosquito bites, you know, but never any symptoms, uh, never uh, any um, bullseye rashes for, or any rash for that matter. The only symptom that I that may have shown up which you know uh, Karen we as women tend to sweep many things under the rug as it's either stress with the kids or stress of life or it's it's hormonal um mm-hmm. so yeah so I I may have had issues you know with with anxiety with feeling overwhelmed a few muscle aches and pains here and there but that was about it you know and you and I also grew up in in a very different environment when the world wasn't as toxic as it is now for, our, for you know, our kids. So um, our immune systems handled, uh, were able to handle things better, and mine did as well. So uh, other than these um, itsy-bitsy things, I was fine. You know, I, I went through college, post-grad, everything, everything was fine. Uh, I had my baby, and he was pretty much, he came out looking uncomfortable. That's that's what I I like to say you know big mop of hair a, a little cutie pie but you know just just couldn't really get a grip of himself very uncomfortable very colicky difficulty sleeping uh, you know he moved along okay with his milestones nice um, uh, nice little chubby baby um, milestones were fine uh, there was no uh, no delay with the milestones we put him on a uh, regular vaccination schedule. That was the biggest mistake I made, but I was an immigrant, you know, and uh, most immigrants from abroad think that the Americans have it all figured out. So like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm supposed to vaccinate. This is my first child. Even though I have such a heavy medical background, I'm like, okay, let's go ahead. Now, I only received two vaccinations because back in the day, um, uh, smallpox and tuberculosis uh, growing up in Mumbai that's all almost what every kid got nowadays everywhere it's it's a huge tragedy because everybody is following the american schedule it's It's a shame um but so everything was okay until i mean he was even advanced until his uh uh DTAP. so uh He did have reactions to vaccinations throughout, but, you know, those were deemed normal until we got to the DTAP. And at that, right after the DTAP, we had severe gut issues, high fevers. Um, You know, he he stopped. um, He was even more uncomfortable than before. Uh, GI issues got really, really worse at that point. So that was the turning point for us, Karen.
0: And that's when many of us see it. I, I noticed the same thing after a hepatitis B shot with my own son. Things had been going along pretty smoothly. And then, then suddenly his behavior went uh, went pretty erratic. And we, we at the time weren't sure why, but uh, it was pretty much coincided with that. We are going to take a short break right here. Please, please stay with us. We're going uh, to continue this conversation after this break and uh, learn more about uh, the road to recovery and And again, we're going to get into solutions and how you can help your child. So you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources. To naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it.
0: Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about the road to autism recovery. And we have Dr. Jody Deshore with us, and she's sharing her story about how she brought her son Brian Deshore to recovery, and it's based on the same exact steps that I took my son to recovery with. So we're having a, a mom-to-mom discussion with you on um, the, this this road and this pathway that uh, that can help you with your. Ch- but we're, you know, Dr. Deshore, before the break, you're talking about how you noticed right after your son's DTAP uh, vaccination that you noticed he had been fine prior, and then all of a sudden he had severe gut issues and high fever. So why don't you continue with where you left off?
1: Yes, of course. Now, um, what I had mentioned a little bit earlier was because of the in utero Lyme disease, we didn't know this. But we, you know, he was labeled as being colicky, having GI issues. So we had that. We, we never had the the severe constipation that is uh, sometimes reported uh, of kids with gestational Lyme or the, the low muscle tone, which is also reported, or the, the delay in milestones. We didn't have any of that. We just had the, the a lot of GI issues. Um, we, I did nurse him. And uh, now we know, and we found out later on, that spirochetes, uh, Lyme disease, is also passed in breast milk. So now that makes sense that um, after I switched him to, uh, to an organic formula, why he started to do a little bit better with his gut tissues. But unfortunately, in the beginning, uh, he was given the antacids and what have you, but um, in spite of breastfeeding him. Then things were were okay, we were on a full uh, vaccination schedule, everything was kind of okay, more than okay, I shouldn't say kind of, I should say it was really okay, he was making good progress, he was a little bit ahead as well with his milestones until the the tap or PDAB, you know, depends on how you call it, that happened and things were completely different after that. Another important thing to note with Lyme-induced autism, Uh, with vaccination being the trigger for us, you know, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, was what do you see with Lyme-induced autism is you don't see a real regression, you know. So Brian did not lose any of the skills that he had gained up until then, but he never made any further progress. That is what we saw. So right after these... um, rashes, and gut issues, and fevers, and reactions to the uh, DTaP vaccine, um, we did not see him make any progress. And as I mentioned, he was months ahead with everything, you know, with fine motor, with gross motor, with visual motor, with with, uh, auditory processing, you know. um, He developed multiple sensory issues. He developed pretty heavy-duty tactile uh, sensory integration problems. He developed... uh, Fine motor. I mean, he didn't, he didn't develop fine motor, meaning he, he did not develop fine motor, sorry. It was, it was shocking to see a child that was on track, now suddenly just the development just came to a halt. He had started speaking one or two words, and what we found with Brian was he was able to uh, have words, but he did not know what they meant. He wasn't associating them because, you know, uh, that's the age when words become meaningful, that, you know, kids try to understand that how you string the words along to make like small phrases, Uh, more so for boys. For girls, sometimes that comes a little bit earlier with the language. And if you have older siblings, you know, it comes even earlier. But for us, we... Uh, understood that there was something going on. So um, I never really had him officially evaluated because I was determined to keep him mainstream, you know, given my, my background. But it was pretty obvious that he was, uh, uh, you know, rapidly falling on the spectrum as as days progressed and as, as days went by. And um, I put him on a full biomedical protocol. We, we were gluten-free, dairy-free, organic we started the minerals the magnesium the magnesium chloride foot fats, the epsom salt fats we started with um uh some uh, b vitamins we I, I remember in the beginning uh you know reading up about uh, vitamin b12 and uh we never did the shots we always did um transdermally is is what we did and um, we did not really see a whole lot of progress, except that his, um, he seemed to be more stable with, um, I think I mentioned fish oil as well. So with things that were supposed to help a child on the spectrum uh, you know, in those days was, the, was the, the, the Dan Protocol. And that kind of just gave us stability Uh, Things did not get worse, but we did not really make a whole lot of progress, but because of lack of choices, I kind of stayed on that protocol for for a while, even though we didn't really see a, a huge bang for our buck until we discovered the real underlying causes.
0: And this is where in my program used to—I used to say the the three stages to naturally recover from autism—and now it's the four stages to naturally recover because it's when kids get to a certain point, or either they get to a certain point of progress and then they just plateau, and the parents are like, "Well, they were doing okay. How come they're not getting any better now?" Or they're just really not reaching that progress, uh, or making progress along the way, and and not not people are unsure why, but especially when. You see these two things, which is very, very common. It's that that fourth piece, the fourth stage, or now number three in my four-stage process is these co-infections. And we're talking about Lyme's disease, mold biotoxins, PANS, PANDAS, mycoplasma, things that are these underlying infections in a child that are, extremely common. I mean, up to over 90% of kids with autism are said so they have Lyme's disease. And uh, I would, I would guess that it's estimate that it's close to that, that or more also with the mold biotoxin issue. And then we see strep commonly in these kids, which is the pandas issue. And so if these aren't addressed, these underlying infections, this the autoimmune, the immune system is constantly fighting these infections and it can't progress. It can't can't kind of take that extra leap it can't take that that next step where they actually all of these great things that you're implementing the the correct diet which of course is much more than just gluten-free casein-free it's no processed carbohydrates no sugars food dyes glutamates and things like that that they're really important to clean their diet up organically and then, uh, you know, you want to naturally clear out a lot of the heavy metals and the toxins. But as Dr. DeShore mentioned, you want to support their system, the, the minerals and binders, things like chlorella, you know, things that can help sop up some of those, those toxins along the way. Because this is a process, a slow process uh, that can lead you to recovery. We tend to want to leap and you've got to know that this is, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon because it's about taking your child through the process in on their timeline so it's safe and you're not detoxifying too quickly, but knowing about these extra pieces is crucial to their recovery. We need to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen. Hi there, welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about the road to autism recovery and we have Dr. Jody Deshore here and Dr. Desh- Deshore is sharing her son Brian's story, and uh, we're discussing a- basically the same steps I used to recover my own son from his symptoms of autism. Before the break, um, I was giving a little background on some of the, the important steps of these, you know, uh, pieces that, that uh, you as a parent need to know about because if they're missed, then um, then it will um, stunt the recovery process. And Dr. Deshore, you said that you noticed that um, that. Brian was—you um, didn't see a regression, but you weren't seeing further progress. So, basically, after you no- noticed he wasn't progressing, what did you do next? Yes.
1: So, uh, biomedical protocol—the the Dan protocol—we had a plateau. I also wanted to mention that when we uh, after after the the vaccine injury, um, you know. Many children come in my practice uh, looking, the, one of the things that I always mention in my lectures is look for signs in your child. You, will, you, know, you know your own child, trust your intuition, you will know if there is uh, something that is being missed and if, if the diagnosis of autism is, you know, maybe autism is just a symptom of something deeper. And it pretty much blows everybody's minds when we look upon autism as a symptom versus an actual syndrome of being, you know, uh, having an autism spectrum disorder. And that, that one of the things that I uh, request my parents to look for, and many of them have seen that or have seen my lectures, they, they look for um, seriously uh, intelligent signs that there is, there is a child in the background that is so close to coming out, so to speak. And uh, one of the things that, that we noticed, many things, but one of the important things that we noticed was, you know, Brian's brain was really trying to communicate. So because of the, the damage from Lyme, because of the damage from the vaccine, uh, things were not normal, so to speak, you know, with, with the language and the communication development. So the, the direction his brain took was he started to read. Now, at 18, 19, 20, I think, I think it was 22 months to be exact, when I discovered that uh, Brian was able to read the subtitles. He, he would look at the subtitles um, of a video, and as soon as the subtitles came on, he would stop the, the, the video, and he would switch the tape. Back in the day, you know, we, we had the VCR. So he would switch the tape and then he would look back at me and, and I would be, uh, you know, is he, um, is he being uh, mischievous about it? You know, he's, is he trying to annoy me? But he wasn't. He would switch three or four tapes back and forth until um, he read the song that he wanted to watch. And this is what we slowly discovered. And then after that, he started reading pretty much anything. He started reading road signs, but he did not understand what that meant. You know, it was just just either the melody. So I, I could have given him, you know, Harry Potter to read. He would read it, but wouldn't understand what that means. So there was no it, comprehension he, with it. Exactly, like very very minimal comprehension. Uh, and then he would mispronounce a lot of the words. And, um, and later on, what I what I understood when when he grew up and and he was recovered, that he was able to hear himself mispronounce these words. He knew that he was stuck in trying to communicate and he knew that something silly was, was coming out and he was making sounds, he was trying to compensate. So he stopped talking. He stopped making progress in, in trying to gain more language because he just felt all muddled up in his head. So that's, that's what, and, and I got advice like, oh, he's a boy, he's gonna catch up, this happens with boys. His party training was delayed. So we had um, a a lot of things that were behind in spite of the biomedical protocol, meaning he had plateaued. Then I I started thinking, what is the next step? Now, before we could progress to the next step, Brian developed uncontrollable coughing. He just couldn't stop coughing. We did a lot of investigation. We went to gastroenterologists. Is it acid reflux? It wasn't. We took him to his allergy uh, allergy doctor, allergy uh, and immunologist, and to make a long story short, they couldn't really establish the diagnosis of typical asthma. So he was diagnosed with cough variant asthma. All of the tests for asthma he passed. However, the one test that he did not pass, and that's not really a test, was doing a nebulizer steroid. You know, he did budesonide. Uh, in, in his nebulizer and that of course calmed the inflammation down so it stopped the coughing and then they gave him the uh, albuterol I believe it was levobuterol and that helped as well so just because of that he was diagnosed with this um, uh, anomalous form of asthma called cough variant asthma and he was put on a, um, a budesonide or a steroid as well as the levobuterol albuterol uh nebulizer treatment almost four times a day.
0: Uh, that was their was answer given, because they really didn't know what else to do. I mean, they had to stop the coughing, right. but at the same time, it, it wasn't really getting to the cause of the problem, just kind of dealing with the symptom.
1: Right. And what's he was also given oral steroids um uh, you know, at the same time just to uh, just just once or twice just to expedite his um uh, uh, lung inflammation recovery. Now, you know it's it's really mean uh, with the teachers that we found. That I understand he was coughing, but you know there was absolutely zero tolerance. You have a little kid, he's wow. coughing, he's he's in pain, you know. And every single day, you know, there would be complaints. Brian, you need to go to the nurse. You're coughing. You're disturbing the class. That's the sure. You know, I don't know what to do with him. He's constantly coughing. He's bothering me. Um. Not even once did I get, uh, you know, uh, we we really feel sorry that that he's going through this. You know, maybe he can get uh, a couple extra uh, rest minutes in class, during class. You know, maybe he can stay home. Nothing of that sort. You know, teachers just wanted to do what they wanted to do and just completely drug the child. That's, That's pretty much what we were being told. You know, you need to drug him more. You need to give him more steroids. What happened was he stopped growing. He was stuck at forty two pounds for three years. That is just he just wasn't growing. No height, no weight. In the beginning he used to be ninety five percentile height. He was born. He was born, you know, in um pretty pretty good weight. He was born like uh, I believe nine and a I believe I know <laughs> nine and a half pounds. And he was long. He was uh twenty three inches long when he was born maybe twenty four so we knew and because my uh, my husband's tall, his family's tall, so he stopped growing there was there was failure to thrive for a few years there
0: wow uh and uh, we need to take a short break right here, but this is failure to thrive is something that a lot of parents can relate to. So we need to take a short break, but when we come back, uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right back into this because uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who are dealing with this exact same thing right now. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas, and today we have Dr. Jody Deshore with us, and we're talking about the road to recovery, and what uh, what is necessary to bring your child to the the optimum results on the road to recovery from the symptoms of autism. And Dr. Deshore was sharing with us uh, some things about her son Brian and his road to recovery before uh, the break. And one of those is failure to thrive. And I know that a lot of you are are... Seeing this in your child, they're 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 not growing. And I know, uh, Doctor Shore, you mentioned for your son Brian, one of the this 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 came from the side effect of the medications that he was on at the time. Basically, some of the steroids that he was given the nebulizer for his asthma. Is that correct? Yes, that's
2: true. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. okay,
0: and so so go on with that. I'm sure. And I, also, I wanted to mention too for my own son. You had mentioned some of the uh, the other things that Brian was was dealing with, and that that really wasn't part of who he was. And my son had extreme oppos- oppositional defiance disorder, would not listen to anything we said. And everybody said, "You just need to be firmer, parents." Basically, it's the parents' fault. Was we just got it over and over? You just aren't giving him strong enough consequences. He's defiant, and you you know. And basically, we found out later that it had nothing to do with that. That in he, he today is a completely calm, easygoing guy. He would. Never even know that he once had the symptoms. Those symptoms, and it's it was because his brain and his body was so inflamed and toxic that he could not maintain a calmness. And so, I want parents to know that, as their own hope, just as you're giving them this piece on the failure to thrive, that this isn't who our kids are, or something that is a lifelong, uh, you know, thing that they have to live with, because. You know they don't know what to do. We have solutions for you, but also knowing that um, that it's because they're because they're sick. So, Doctor Deshore, why don't you continue with where you left off on the the failure to thrive, and then what what went on for Brian next?
1: Yes, we proceeded with with this. Uh, you know, we didn't really have an option at that point other than using his uh, nebulizer medication four times a day because that's that's pretty much what kept his breathing regulated Um, we we also had I don't know if I mentioned this before but Brian sleep has was an issue ever since we started the so-called asthma medications and it really wasn't real asthma but he would wake up every two and a half hours and we were still we we tried everything we tried cold sleeping at that point so I was up every two and a half hours Um, long story short we, we proceeded like this for a couple of years until one day in first grade, Brian came home from baseball practice and his left leg was dragging behind him. He said, Mom, I can't walk. You know, Coach sent me back. And we were, what do you mean you can't walk? We, we investigated every possibility. We did multiple blood tests. We had 10 false negatives for Lyme disease. We looked for brain tumors. We looked for spine tumors. We looked for cancer. Um, we did a pelvic MRI because there was excruciating pain, Karen. The, the, the kind of pain that Brian had was he couldn't even turn in bed without screaming. Um, yeah. I was carrying him to the bathroom back and forth on my back. I was carrying him on my back up and down the stairs because my my husband was at work and and I had to give up work and in in, in order to take care of my son. So that is the level of excruciating pain he was in. And of course, you know, he ended up in in a wheelchair. Um, We did a pelvic MRI and we found pus and exudate and lesions inside his entire pelvis. And this was, once again, you know, based on the MRI, it was labeled as bone infection or osteomyelitis by his orthopedic surgeon. But God bless the orthopedic surgeon because he did do, do his due diligence and did investigate Lyme disease. And then uh, we eventually heard from his, uh, from his uh, cancer specialist, Brian, cancer specialist, about pants and PANDAS. With one morning, uh, Brian woke up with textbook pandas. His head was shaking, his eyes were blinking, uh, his neck was hurting, he was making uh, strange sounds vocally, like he would go, uh, uh, uh. it was completely involuntary, full-on pandas. I, in panic, you know, called his cancer specialist because we had bonded I'm like, Dr. Murphy, what, what is going on? And she, she mentioned pandas, which I hadn't heard about before ever. So we started to to look for um, specialists that treat pandas. We went to uh, Dr. Trifiletti, and he did an enormous amount of blood work, which was all fantastic. We found, uh, you know, tons of strep. We found mycoplasma. And all of these were treated by Dr. Trifoletti. And within one month of treating mycoplasma, the three and a half years of so-called asthma and steroids and nebulizer was gone. It was a completely false diagnosis of asthma. Uh, what happens is, okay, let me proceed with, the, with what happened next, and then I'm, I'm going to circle back to Lyme disease uh, in a bit. So next, we went for IVIG. We, we went to see Dr. Kovacevic in Chicago, and Dr. Kovacevic, again, bless his heart, is very conservative. He recommended only one, not the cyclical every six weeks, every eight, eight weeks you have to do IVIG or else, that has been hearing over the years. You know, it, it just happened a bit later. But back in the day, this is 2009, is when um, we, we went for the IVIG, we did one. It was, you know, it was very clear it was a Band-Aid. Uh, summer camp, he got re-exposed to strep again, and that was it, you know, like uh, $29,000 down the drain, but because it wasn't covered by uh, insurance back then. So that was one experience we had, and then um, uh, his orthopedic surgeon heard about Dr. Jones because uh, his orthopedic surgeon was from from Yale, and they heard about, you know, Dr. Jones in New Haven who is a world-renowned uh, pioneer in pediatric Lyme. So we took Brian to, to see Dr. Charles Ray Jones, and he found Lyme disease in Bartonella and Babesia and Rocky Mountain spotted fever and ehrlichiosis. All in all, we had 11 infections that had quite possibly crossed the blood-brain barrier at that point. And Dr. Jones explained to me about um, how Lyme is transmitted in utero because he is also the pioneer uh, as far as gestational Lyme disease goes. You know, he, he's come up with the typical symptoms that you see in infants that, that have this issue from their mother. And uh, Brian met uh, a lot of those points. So we were finally on track. 18 months of treatment and all symptoms of autism were gone. I mean, everything. The little Mickey Mouse voice that he used, Uh, barely able to, uh, you know, string words, barely able to hold a a conversation. You know, Karen, we did not need any speech therapy, no ABA, no nothing. Skills started coming back at the age-appropriate level. And you know why? Because children that uh, are like Brian keep learning, they, they absorb whatever learning they get from their environment. They just cannot reproduce it. So it, it can give a false impression of being on the spectrum. One thing that I have learned is, uh, you know, over my travels all over the world that I, I, I get called upon to speak is, you know, uh, there can be true autism, you know, genetic autism, true autism, but those children are happy being autistic. They're happy having their parents take care of them. You know, there's no no pain. There's no behavior issues. They are, they're they're just autistic. They're in their own world. They're happy. And and I've I've had many many parents from India, from the U S, from Lithuania. I, and I recall these countries because they actually stood up in the audience and gave me their story. So. Uh, when you have children that have behavioral issues that are not happy, then you know, there are many signs that they are not internally happy, to be fair to the child, to give a child a chance, it's very important to look at these comorbid issues that uh, you mentioned before.
0: And I think that's the most important thing is to give the child the chance to to learn what what really is and cap what what they are capable of and how far you really can come with them because um I experienced the same thing my son um we tried uh a b a therapies, different social therapies, and nothing was working, and I finally realized it was a waste of my time and my money, and it was affecting his mm-hmm. self esteem I pulled him out, I again did research as you're doing, figured it out did did all of the approaches and uh and he never needed to go back to any therapies ever the rest of his life same thing so it's very encouraging um and very very hopeful for a lot of parents out there. We need to take a short break right here. uh you're listening to naturally recovering autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas. please stay with us. hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas, and today we have Dr. Jody Deshore with us, and we're talking about the road to autism recovery and uh Dr. Deshore, as a mom, brought her own son, Brian, to his uh, his uh, recovery from his symptoms of autism, and it was due to largely Lyme and mold. I, as well, brought my son to uh, his recovery from autism as well, and I walk you through that uh, as well in a program that I have, and I will link to all of that uh, on the show notes, but they'll be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash Brian. And, uh, for the show notes and um, my program is at naturally recovering forward slash AMM for autism moms mentoring is what that sounds for stands for I want to make sure you know that because I want to give you some hope here and we're before the break dr. Deshore was talking about how once she figured out what was going on for Brian and that he had did have Lyme wow. and he was treated properly with for these co-infections and we're going to get into the next one here now which will be mold um, but once that happened that that uh, you know his pain went away and he was a, he never needed to go back to therapies and that was that was a lot of the the same story that I have for my own son seeing your child not be in pain anymore and seeing their 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 negative those symptoms that they've been living with that have been haunting them go away and they're feeling better they're happier they don't you don't need to spend all this money on therapies and and all of these other things uh, that aren't working for them uh, or or maybe working a tiny bit but really not that great and you're spending a lot of money this is what it's about. You need to to find out what's really going on. and so uh, we just finished talking about Lyme's disease, and so um. And I'll link in the show notes to other interviews I've done with Dr. Deshore on the comorbid infections. So we've talked about Lyme as a whole show in itself and the mold as a whole show in itself as well. Uh, But we're going to discuss it now. So Dr. Deshore, I know that you, after working with the Lyme, you found out that obviously there must have been a little bit more of something going on because then you knew to to continue researching further for Brian, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's, you know, I, uh, we traveled all over the world. We uh, I, I remember going down on my hands and knees and begging some of the world-renowned doctors to help us to take on Brian as a patient. As you know, um, everybody had pretty long waiting lists even 10, 15 years ago with uh, with being able to see children. So I took the uh, the uh, the uh, road of trying to mentor with as many as I could because the visits that we made were so frequent. Uh, everybody, uh, it, you mentioned that Ryan was free from pain. He wasn't 100% free from pain even then, in spite of treating uh, Lyme and co-infections and mycoplasma and what have you. We were still in a wheelchair occasionally, uh, but not continuously. The immune system was better. We met Stephen Buhner. Uh, I mentored with Julie McIntyre, a little bit with Stephen, but, but he uh, stopped teaching at that point and, and, you know, he had retired to recover his health. So I I mentored with Julie McIntyre. We put Brian on a completely herbal protocol. Uh, We had Dr. Klinghart help us out tremendously. Now, everybody helped. All of these world-renowned specialists helped, but ultimately, everybody gave up on us and gave up in the sense that we, we did not know how to make him better, and eventually, I Uh, you know, I refuse to believe that this was residual damage from Lyme. You know, they call the post-Lyme syndrome, sometimes as it's called. I refuse to believe that as well. So my research led me to Dr. Shoemaker's work, and we investigated mold. We found that Brian uh, had the genetic haplotype, the HLA-DR4 mold, so, no matter how far back he was exposed, his body was accumulating mold. There was mold on the school bus, there was mold in the school that he was in you know on and we didn't have um, uh, any in the, at home, thankfully, but this was in school, and you know kids are in school a lot, so especially the special needs kids so they um, we started treating for mold and we did his brain MRI. The brain MRI was the most shocking thing I've seen. His, his brain MRI looked like a 65-year-old with dementia. Uh, and I was told that, that, you know, I was reassured this is reversible. And we, we treated him for mold. And around 11, 11 years of age was we saw uh, a 12 IQ point gain. So he literally went from being on the spectrum to being on the honor roll. Everything exploded. He got into this uh, highly coveted, highly difficult to get into a pre-med integrated high school program. You know, he's he's numerous awards. He's going to speak about them when he's on the show. So this was a c- complete life changer because mold causes inflammation in so many different systems in the body. That had to quieten down, you know, uh the growth started happening. This is when the, the the failure to thrive started recovering. You know, it wasn't the parasite. We did repeated parasite treatment. It wasn't that. You know, it wasn't just the steroids. It was the immense inflammation in the body from from the mold and the mycotoxins.
0: And you said too, it's a lot of people think, oh, it's just maybe it's more of the the parasites or more of the gut issues or are they just. They don't know what's going on. And and I really think it's important you mentioned that this takes time. It is a process. I mean you, you get to a certain point and your child is a lot better, but you can still see, yeah, oh, their immune system is still suffering with something. And that's where you and I have continued the research and found that next step. And um and I, I look forward to to sharing that with other parents so that they don't have to spend so much time and money like you and I did and basically lead them right down the, the path of the blueprint that they need to know. Uh, but stay with us. We're Take a very short break. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. We will be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it.
0: Hi there. Welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about the road to autism recovery Recovery and the steps that are necessary because you might find that your child is plateauing at certain points or they're really not making progress. And Dr. Jody Deshore has recovered her son Brian from autism due to Lyme and mold. I have... Uh, recovered my own son as well as know from his symptoms of autism using these exact same steps and everything I'm going to link to is going to be uh, the show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash brian and on that is a link to my Autism Moms mentoring program where I walk you through literally these exact steps and everything you need to know to naturally biomedically be able to walk through these pieces with a drug-free process and uh, and be able to get your child to their optimum results, and that's the Autism Moms Mentoring Program and the direct link to that is naturallyrecoveringautism.com/amm. And uh, Doctor Deshore, um, we have just a few minutes left here today, but we talked about how this is a process; it takes time. You've got to go through, you know, all of these these other co-infections as well as the foundational and stability pieces of course, yes the the diet and the detoxification are really important as well. Um, do you have something else that you want to want to add uh, in these last couple of minutes here? sure
1: yes i I agree with everything you said it is It is a step by step process. I know um, many parents like to expedite things i've I've had many. Who have gone you know very strong with the herbs, they go on Facebook, they, they they are in these groups and and they get advice. One thing that you have to remember is that every child is different. it's It's really advisable to have a knowledgeable practitioner like yourself, Karen. you know i I, I just love your uh, program. Many of my patients have been referred to you as well because it is a very simplified. Uh, in a step-by-step approach that anybody can understand and help their child, especially with the foundational elements. So it is important to have a uh, you know a good practitioner in your corner before you start uh, self-treating. Like we we had to do it because there wasn't a whole lot of information on uh, on comorbid. Um, I wanted to mention that. Um, I am, uh, Brian's actually, For as, as a, a school project, is writing his own memoir, and I'm, I'm helping him a little bit as well, so uh, Healing Brian uh, is going to be a book that will be out in a, in a few months. He's, he's working on it right now, so I think that will be an exciting next step for Brian.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when that's ready, let me know. And I will definitely put it on a link to it from my website as well. So that parents like for you. sure have that additional um, link to it. Yeah. And that's really exciting. I know that Brian is uh, he is now um, he's looking at a future in, in medicine, isn't he? He wants to make sure that other people and children don't live in pain and know that they can get better, too.
1: Yes, that's that's what he uh, recently was invited to speak at um, at Autism One and he's got a tremendous response. In fact, he was invited by Dr. Hu from China. She is the uh, chief medical officer of the Chinese Autism Program. He was invited to speak in in Beijing. Wow. So very
0: excited that's excited really, about that. <laughs> for a 17-year-old boy. I mean, think about that. His future is huge and you know that's what I would say for my journey, as yours it's that things happen to us for a reason, and you know mm-hmm. if i if 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 I hadn't had to go through this journey or been on it and done the research and things, I wouldn't be here being able to share this value and these resources. Uh, with other parents who need this information because, yeah, I know what it's like to struggle through books and internet and, you know, countless hours and countless financial expense going through everything you can to try and figure out what you need to do for your child. And so, That is my whole goal is to be able to save parents the time and the money and give you an exact blueprint and follow and know exactly what to do without all of this haphazard, the franticness that that you can get into as a parent and and yeah, knowledge is important. I mean, you don't want to just throw your kid into a detoxification process because you read something, and you, but you don't know that they need support so that when that die off and those toxins die off and things are releasing from the body, if that happens too quickly, your child can get really sick and you just want to basically know how to support their system along the way. And, um, and I'm grateful to Dr. Deshore and my program and my Autism Moms Mentoring program. We are using her proprietary herbal formulas only available inside the program because you've got to have support and and proper knowledgeable guidance when using them for these co-infections as well. So again I'm thank you thankful to you Dr. Deshore for for that and for helping others as well and and I have interviewed Brian um, on a podcast interview that is available at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash Brian, as well as the show notes for today's show, and I will be having Brian on the show in the near future, so um, please stay tuned for that. I look forward to having him here with us and sharing t- with you as well. Thank you, Dr. Shore, for being with us, and you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. and